Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Turn to your Bible now. We, uh, today's message is the church as God's family. The church as God's family. Yeah, And keeping with tradition, when Nikki spoke last week, she spoke brilliantly, but she took us from Genesis to Revelations. Yeah, she had to take us. So keeping with church tradition and city tradition, I got to start with Genesis. I'm not sure I'll end up with Revelation, but I'll start with, with Genesis. Okay, so Genesis chapter 1, we, we find it says, in the beginning, it says, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the English Bible, we have the word God, yeah? But in the Hebrew, it says Elohim, created. And that, that word is such a powerful word. It may, there are more than a hundred names for God in the Bible. But in Genesis 1, God introduces himself as Elohim. And what does it mean? It means the supreme God, the strong one, Elohim the mighty creator of all things. So straight away, you're introduced to the creator God, not just a God, but the creator, the supreme God, the creator of all things. Yeah, And the same word Elohim is used almost about 2,570 times in the Bible. That's our God. The creator God, the creator. And in Genesis chapter 1, we find God is creating the heavens, the earth, the birds, the fish, the seas, creating everything. Yeah, the galaxies. He's, God is He's just speaking and it's coming into being. And then in verse 26 and verse up to verse 28 of Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God creates man and woman and God blesses them. God says, be fruitful, increase in, in numbers. Yeah, God blessed them. There was harmony within the family of God. There's harmony up until this point. God blessed them. So we, we're going to look at three points I want to share with, with you. One is the breakdown in the family. Yeah, that we look at that. Then we'll see how the restoration in the family. And then we'll find how do we relate to one another in the, in the, as a family. Because the church is God's family. Yeah, because if I take you straight away and give you all the good things, you won't know what happened right in the beginning and how God restores the church family. Yeah? God is the one who restores. So my first point, the breakdown in the, fa in, in, the, in the family. Two chapters later, just two chapters, as we come to, to Genesis chapter, chapter 3, we find 
that there is a breakdown in, in, the, in, in the family as well. Yeah? It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 9, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God coming the, uh, God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? I, that's a beautiful phrase. Where are you? And I do believe God still speaks to his church. He still speaks to individuals and families as well and says, where are you? It's not just a question, where are you hiding? But God says, where are you in your relationship with me? That's the main thing. Where are you in your relationship? If you are searching for God, God is asking you, where are you? If you are searching for meaning in life, Searching, searching. God's asking, where are you? And God spoke to Adam and says, where, where are, are you? Because when sin entered, what happened? The first thing it does, it breaks the relationship with God and man. It separates God from man. Man from God. And that's why God's saying, Adam, where are you? Because God knew exactly where he was hiding. Where are you? Think about that question. Yeah? Are you walking with God? Are you serving the purposes of God? God's asking, where are you? Are you progressing in your Christian walk with God? Or are you just settled down, not moving on in the purpose of God? Can I tell you, don't quit. Don't quit. God will come through. He will. You hold on to God, and He will come through. You know, when I spoke last time, I said I write things down. I still do. And, I, and as I keep writing things, I've seen the faithfulness of God. He just comes through time and time again. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So sin comes in. It separates God from man. And God's saying, Adam, where are you? few verses later, in, in, uh, in the next chapter, in fact, in Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve have children, Cain and Abel. What happens? Cain, uh, he was tilling the, the field, bringing offering to God. God was not pleased, but Abel brought an offering to God. And God was pleased with it. Cain was not. And so what happens in Genesis chapter 4? Cain tells his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. I think that was the first hypocrisy that happened. Cain was the first hypocrite. I'll explain later. But that was the first hypocrisy. He says, come, let's go, go, on, go out in the field because he masked uh, his intentions. And as he went out in the field, the Bible says, Cain killed his brother. A breakdown in the family. Cain killed his brother. And, and that's not only that, as the Bible in Genesis chapter uh, 4, it's talking about the, the generations of Cain. Again, another sad, sad thing happened because in Genesis chapter 4, verse 23, if you got your Bible, it says, Lamech said to his wives, Adam and Zillah, this is the first time in the Bible that a man took two wives. He was not allowed to. They were not allowed to. It was one man, one woman. But he took two wives. It says that... Uh, Lamech took two wives, Adam and Zillah. Listen to me, he's telling his wife. You find pride and boasting. Wives of Lamech, hear the words. I have killed a man for wounding me 
a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech will avenge 70 times seven. So what happens here? Break down. A young man injured Lamech. A young man, he injured him only. What did he do? He took revenge. He didn't injure him back, but he killed him. A breakdown in the family. Breakdown. And as, as you go, as you go through the book of, 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 of Genesis, uh, Genesis, you find breakdown not only in the family, but breakdown in the nations, among tribes and the nations. And then in Genesis 6, we find God says, you know, it's enough. Enough. I need, I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to destroy the earth. And God, with the flood, he destroys the earth. But then God is still looking for families. God is still looking yeah, to restore relationships and bring a blessing. And then in Genesis chapter 12, as we come to Genesis chapter 12, we find that God finds somebody. God finds somebody. And God tells uh, Abraham, he says, Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3, the Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. When you read that text, you wonder why did God tell Abraham to leave his country? Well, if you go and you study the history and the culture, you know, they were doing evil again. Evil nation. And the way they were ruling, the power, the battles they were fighting. And God said, Abraham, leave. There's no way you're going to survive in this, in this nation. You must leave. And so God said, leave your family. Leave and go to the place I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Yeah? God's telling Abraham. But from Abraham's lineage, from Abraham, somebody is going to come. The Lord Jesus Christ. He is going to come and he will bless all families of the earth. He will bring the blessing and the restoration. And God, I don't know how many years, maybe fools you will remember, but probably I think 4,000 or more, God kept his promise. God kept his promise by sending Jesus Christ into the world. And now we'll see how God starts to restore individuals first and then families as well. God is the one who, who does it. So my second point is restoration in the family. Restoration in the family. And that, that begins all in Ephesians chap, uh, chapter 2. Yeah. If you have your Bibles, do turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, it, it starts off with, it says, being made alive in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, once you were dead in your sins, once you were separated from God, he says, but, but when the grace of God, uh, it says, uh, you know, but Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, it says, because of God's great love for us, you know, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ Jesus, even though we were dead in our sins and trespasses. So it's all about God. It starts with God in Genesis. It's begin, but here again in Ephesians, it starts with God again. Man is not looking for God. 
but God comes. He's always taking the first step, always taking the initiative, coming to man to restore, uh, you know, and bring back uh, to God. So God comes, and then it says, it is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved. So God is the one who takes initiative and saves man or woman. Yeah. So Ephesians, let me read from Ephesians 2, 11 to 19, and then I, I will, will explain. So Ephesians 2, reading from verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and is destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. What a beautiful passage. What a such a beautiful passage. Paul saying, first, you were Gentiles, excluded from citizenship, foreigners to the covenant of pro promise, without hope and without God in this world. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. We've been redeemed. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And if you know that word, to be redeemed, uh, it's such a powerful word. In the, again, in the ancient times, when a slave is bought and sold in the, in the slave market, if he didn't please his employer, the employer takes him back, puts him back or, you know, on the slave market, and then he's sold again. He can be sold many times. But when the Bible says you have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, it means that once you've been but once Jesus redeemed us, never to be sold again on the slave market. Never. We've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. We've been redeemed. He did this to reconcile, the Bible says, both to God yeah, on the cross. The word again, reconcile, is such a beautiful word. It means to bring back together again that which was separated. Yeah, I remember I told you in the beginning, Adam and Eve. God asked, where are you? They were separated from God and man. Separated. But now the Bible says you are reconciled, brought back together again that which was separated. Such a powerful word, that word reconcile. 
You, you, you look at families today in many parts, my own country, my own country, my own, I mean, extended family, sometimes you find breakdown in relationships, breakdown, struggles, squabbles, and all these things. But God come through. Sometimes you ask, and you, you might be experiencing the same thing. There's nothing that God cannot do. He can restore families. He can restore it. He can bring the change. The Bible says there's, you know, there's a, uh, there's a way that seems right to the man, but there are, but end is the way of death. In other words, sometimes we think we can work it out. We think this is the right way. No, but you allow God to come in and let God do the miracle. And let God show you the way. God can rest, restore things. Yeah? The Bible, it also says that we have access to God. That's such a powerful word. It's such a powerful word. Jesus Christ has given us access to the Father. What, what does it mean? If you, for you to come in the presence of a king, it's, it's impossible, right? In the Bible, if you remember the, the book of, Est, of uh, Esther, she could, even though she was the queen, she could not come in the king's presence. In Esther chapter 4, verse 11, when Mordecai said, you've got to go and appeal to the king, she said, you, you know the law. She said, it is, it is not possible for anyone to go in the presence of the king unless the king summons for him or her and he offers the golden scepter and accepts the person. It was impossible for the queen to go into the presence of the king. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, it says we have access to God. In other words, Jesus Christ comes before us and he makes the way. Because he, even in, the, in ancient times, when you come before a king, there must be somebody to represent you, to speak to the king on your behalf. You just cannot come in the king's presence. You just cannot come. Somebody must speak on your behalf. The Bible says Jesus Christ speaks on our behalf. And therefore, therefore we have access to the Father. Amen. Jesus Christ has done it all. He's one who's reconciled us and reconciled us uh, families as well. And the Bible says, no longer foreigners and no longer strangers, but fellow citizens of God. Yeah, fellow citizens and, yeah, and members of God's household. What does it mean? That means we become part of the family of God. So the church is then family. The church is then family. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 says, uh, Paul saying, but if I'm delayed, I have written to you so that you will know how people ought to act in God's household, which is a church, the living God. Again, the church is family. Do you realize? Yeah? The church is God's uh, family. And again, in Psalms, I think Psalm 68 verse 6 already, that's right? Yes, it is. The Bible says, God sets the solitary in families. What, what does it mean? The lonely. God sets the lonely in families. And if, I, and if you talk to people in City Hill, there are many who will say, City Hill is my family. We've heard it in city groups. We've heard it when suddenly they joined the church. They felt so loved and accepted. And they City Hill is my family. And it's so true. Because as you come and you get, you know, added to the body of Christ, people within the, the church become so close. They become so close to you that they become even closer than family members. Is that true? Many can experience it. 
you, you, many can experience it. And the Bible says, God sets the solitary. Whether you have a family, you don't have a family, God adds you to the family. You the church then becomes your, your family. Amen. I'm, uh, which leads me to my, my, my last point. So then, how does one relate? Now that we are part of the family, how do we relate to one another as part of the family? And so if you have your Bible, would you turn to Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12 and... Verse 8 to verse 13. Okay. I'll read from verse, verse 9. It says, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Love must be without hypocrisy. What does it mean? The word hypocrisy over here, it means a hypocrite was an actor. In ancient times, yeah, a hypocrite, that word, hypocrite was an actor. An actor who wore a mask. So in other words, he was performing something. He was a different, when he comes on stage, he was a different person. Yeah, and so when you see mask, normally you see the smiling face, right? Most of the time, it's a smiling face. And either he's a clown or doing something funny. But behind the mask, he was a totally different person. And so Paul is, Paul is saying, he says, your love for people, your love for people must be sincere. It must not be with a mask. And I told him in the beginning, I, I think, you know, Cain was the first hypocrite. Why? Because he wore a nice mask and told his brother, come, let's go out in the field. He didn't show his true intentions. Later it was revealed. So the Bible is saying, Love must be sincere. Paul saying, don't wear a mask. Then uh, he goes on to say, hate what is evil, hate what is evil, and hold on to what is good. So how do you apply that text now? How do you apply the text? It's, the Bible is talking about when you see other Christians in the church, yeah, when you see sin, sinful behavior, do you hate them? The sinful behavior, there are some who hate it, but don't do anything about it. Some ignore it. Some talk to others about it, which should not be done. But, but there's a way how you deal with it. Yeah. So now don't say, oh, Harold said, so I have to go and tell. No, that's, uh, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah? Because there's a way in how it is said. And Paul says, well, when you address somebody, if he is older or she's older than you, then you appeal to that person as you're appealing to a father or a mother. Okay? So if you go to an older person, treat them as a father. How you would treat your, speak to your father. That's the way you do it. You appeal to him. If somebody's your age, you speak to them as a brother 
or a sister. That's where it will be done. Yeah? And if somebody's younger than you, you'll always speak like you're speaking to your son or your daughter. That's the way, in that context. So if you see something that needs to be addressed, it needs to be addressed, no matter who it is. Yeah? But it's always with grace and with respect. Let me tell you a story. Now, now it's worth, worth telling. Many years, many years ago, uh, I used to, in, in my work, I used to visit places. I visited a country, and uh, they used to preach in the church. And there was a young man over there. We became friends. He left that country, and he went to another country in the Middle East. When I used to go there, I used to chat with him. We used to meet. One, one day, I, I called his, his home, and somebody picked up the phone, and I asked, where, where is he? I, you know, I want to meet him. He said, they said, he's not here. He's gone to see his girlfriend. Immediately, alarm bells went off, because I know the young man is married. He has a family back in his home. So it, it troubled me. So then in, in, uh, in the evening, I called back. I called back. I did get him on the phone. And I said, hi, I'm here in, in, in this country. I'd love to meet up with you. Uh, I said, why don't you come for breakfast? He said, yeah, I'll come. So the next day morning, he came for breakfast. And now I'm sitting. We are chatting. What do I say? What do I tell him? You know, but again, because out of love for him, I got to address it. I can't ignore it. Remember I said, sometimes we ignore it. I can't do that, but I need to address it gently. Yeah, the Bible says about you, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flag he will not snuff out. How do I handle it? So then I had just repeat what I said. So I said, I called for you yesterday morning. Your colleague picked up the phone and he said, you're gone to see your girlfriend. Is that true? Immediately a tear rolled down his cheek and I knew it was true. And then he said, well, it's an emotional relationship, blah, blah, blah. I said, fine. Cut it off, I said. If you can't cut it off, leave your job and go, I said. And that was the last time I saw the young man. But the, the thought always on my mind, where is he? What happened? Did he uh, take my advice? Well, let me tell you, continue the story. Last year, I happened to meet his church pastor. Now, I forgot the young man's name as well, I, but I met the church pastor his church pastor last year. And I said, remember so-and-so, he was in this country, he left and went to another country, and then he was working with this store. He said, yes, this is a name. I said, yes, yeah, now I do remember that name. I said, where is he? He said, you know, he is now leading a church. I said, praise God, praise God. I said, I did not tell the pastor anything. There was no reason to tell him, but praise God, I one day I will meet with this young, young man. See, we need to handle things sensitively. Why? We are family. We are family and therefore we need to look after one another and care for one another. The Bible says, show family affection to one another. In other words, be devoted to one another. Show family affection to one another. You know, and recently when I was in India, I did see my own family, the way they served, the way they were available and came and stayed in the hospital with me. This is family. But I know many of you, the way that you all prayed and served, I know that that is family as well. Well, well done to you, City Hill. 
I think you excel in it. The Bible also says, show honor to one another. What does it mean, honor? There are two things about honor. One is to speak well about people. Let us show honor. But it also means to do things for others. That's the way you honor, honor them. To dishonor would mean to speak negative things. That would bring dishonor. And that would sadden the heart of God. Yeah, so I, can I encourage you, whether it's church members, honor them and encourage them and do things for them. The Bible says also, share with, the, with those in, in need. Share with the saints in need. And I think here again, City Hill, you excel in it. Well done. Can I encourage you to keep, keep at it? Yeah, share with those needs. You excel. This time and time again, I've seen it happen in the church, I've seen it happen in, in the city groups uh, as, as well. And finally, my last point is, pursue hospitality, it says. The Bible speaks a lot about hospitality. And the hospitality here, it's not just invite friends that you know. It's actually talking about strangers. That's what it's talking about. But it says, offer hospitality. It says, invite those you don't, don't know as well. Because... Uh, the Bible says that some have entertained angels, you know, through it. So can I encourage you? That's how you reach the, the city. That's one way. Through hospitality, inviting people to home. They see, you know, there's a difference the way you relate to family, children, the way you speak. They say there's something different about this person. And that starts to draw them and attract them. And that's how then you slowly build build the church and the family becomes bigger bigger let's stand thank you for listening visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about city hill church